This week in the parish of bourses and market structure. Even by late last week, the FTX black hole had already reached 32 times the $250 million SBF reckoned was more than sufficient to cover his wonderful new model CCP. With a balance sheet fiction, lawyers circling FTX, and of course, that most damning cut of all, fashionistas dumping FTX's foundation, there's been no armistice day let up for the bit carnage. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 170. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings from the past seven days can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. And indeed, let me just emphasize that. All the details are in exchangeinvest.com. That's why we charge you $299 a year as a subscription. And in the course of the last week alone, many subscribers have got multiple times their value back. Let's face it, some people went from $16 billion in net worth to zero during the course of the last week. And here's the secret. They weren't subscribers to Exchange Invest. Otherwise, they would have learned their predicament many, many days, weeks, even months earlier. The lawyers were circling across the weekend, as Exchange Invest predicted last week. Overall crypto looks chaotic and paranoid even by its usual standard of conspiracy theories. There's a certain element of bemusement that while championing the distributed ledger with aplomb, apparently FTX and its... uh, well, curiously quaffed founder SBF, couldn't manage the traditional balance sheet on a single ledger, balancing asset and liability exposure, which has been around for a handy 500 years before even the invention of the spreadsheet. The CFTC are unrepentant, while the FIA have physically whitewashed their association with FTX out of their Chicago Expo this week. A million people are tied up in the SBF folly, but there's no sign of sorry from the CFTC. Rather, the agency was constrained from moving ahead, they said. No mention of the chairman's previously somewhat craven drooling over FTX being the future, most recently repeated just a month ago. The real politique of crypto exchanges can be explained by Leo Tolstoy as he opened Anna Karenina. Happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. The real-life bit carnage has consistently trumped any telenovela for two weeks now, and there remains an apparent $8 billion black hole affecting some 1 million customers, aka the equivalent of the population of the state of Delaware. FTX assets were frozen early in the piece by the Bahamas regulator. The Bahamas SEC got ahead of the FTX bit carnage as best they could, while in the desperate race to save what might be described as F Titanic X, presumably SBF's fidget spinner, was breaking the sound barrier at that stage. 
Contagion risks have caused many problems, perhaps most notably BlockFi and other exchanges. However, the last cut that was surely the deepest, not only did the regulatory team go overboard when they first learnt that actually they seemed to have been duped in terms of what was going on within FTX and its shenanigans regarding the moving of money from FTX to Alameda Research, including even customer funds, but ultimately, well, FTX's Effective Altruism Future Fund team resigned en masse. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the fashionistas and the multiple different charity workers all said the leadership of FTX may have engaged in deception or dishonesty in an open letter. Elsewhere, Caroline Ellison, former Alameda CEO, went viral on Twitter, Having said, being comfortable with risk is very important. We don't use any stop losses. I think those aren't a good risk management tool. There was a real tragedy here about the underlying sexism of the crypto bro era, all losing liberalism, but not really that eager to di endorse diversity. I do not know La Ellison, and she did come off in the video as somewhat giggly and insubstantial, which is unfortunate. That said, I've no doubt she was coherent if she ran Alameda's operations. Another key takeaway, of course, is why would you use stop losses as Alameda when you knew that effectively it seems FTX preferred an exchange with a margin system which expressly worked to incentivize vigilante scalpers to roam for stops. Therefore, adding your own stops was only going to make you a target Non-apologies were, as I mentioned earlier, the flavour of the week from SBF on Twitter and indeed the chairman of the CFTC, Rostin Benham, who actually just avoided the whole issue. Now look, Christian forgiveness is a thing, and it's a good thing. However, let's just pause for a second to consider this millennial twit's self-indulgent wallowing at the point of his abject failure. Hopefully you won't wretch, but it certainly makes me want to puke when I read through some of the material that he put out this week on Twitter, which may be questioning his sanity, or may on the other hand be a legal defence that he's whoops dooly la la before he comes in front of a judge. Nonetheless, this is the same Sam Bangman Fried, a former master of the universe, who was determined to lecture the entire exchange parish on how backwards we all were, who tried to buy the politicians of his choice, who lectured us all on how he was building a better world and a better financial system, and tried to actually unhinge that financial system, paying his shills and twitbot supporters to abuse the whole system of central counterparty clearing, which many great men and women have worked so hard to hone and improve for decades. Hubris is a nano-sized understatement to this rather arrogant, priggish type of chap, and his ultimate denouement needs to be sensible, proportionate, but nonetheless clear, so we can have a trusted financial system where crime does not pay. There had been rumours that he was on suicide watch, understandable and very, very sad. It won't solve anything, and I sincerely hope Mr Bankman-Fried has help on this level, because he needs to face up to his actions and see how he can make a better world in his next life chapter. Ultimately, the evidence is he defrauded his customers of something like one to two billion dollars. A million people have lost money in this enterprise. And therefore, in that sense, there is clearly questions to be answered. And it looks very much like there's also a crime to be repaid as a debt to society. Footnotes to this whole affair. Fabulous money stuff. FTX's balance sheet was bad. Matt Levine beautifully describes the inadequacy of the balance sheet as presented by FTX when they were desperately looking for refunding a few weeks back. And indeed, 
as we're recording this, apparently Mr. Bankman-Fried still trying to find funding. I have no idea where it's going to be, but presumably it may involve intoning incantations like Someday My Prince Will Come and perhaps kissing a lot of frogs. At the same time, the least surprising event in regulatory history of this quarter, LedgerX withdrew their clearing application. That was, of course, FTX US's attempt to remodel the entire world of CCP. Even more amusingly was the fact that actually, physically, the FIA, the Futures Industry Association, quite literally whitewashed the holes, the backdrops, and all the other signage that had mentioned the fact that FTX was going to be their massive sponsor of the crypto, or I'm sorry, actually, the Exchange Futures and Options exhibition. It just felt like it was going to be a crypto operation. And don't forget, of course, Rustin Benham, his comments on the FTX proposal, which would have materially induced contagion and given a risk which could destabilize the CCP model. Only last month, he said, this is a unique intersection of the crypto space and traditional finance. I think this is potentially, and I emphasize the potential, another phase in the evolution of market structure, innovation and disruption. One month later, November the 15th, not even a month later, Benham Without apology at the CFTC chairman's remarks at the FAI conference, I'm hopeful that this will elevate the urgency for Congress to act to pass legislation that would give the CFTC more authority to regulate cash markets. No question asked. We suggested a much more mellow line with an apology in Exchange Invest issue 2504. Only subscribers could read that, I'm afraid. And if you wanted to stay ahead of what's going on in the FTX saga, you need to be a subscriber. Direct message us in any of the social media and we'll be happy to set you up with a free 30-day trial. Moving into the world of exchanges beyond the scandal-ridden crypto crisis of BitCarnage, very happy birthday to two exchanges this week. The Beijing Stock Exchange, they marked their first anniversary, becoming an inclusive platform to cultivate innovative SMEs. And happy birthday to the Bucharest Stock Exchange. They're moving offices in the near future. They're 140 years old. Stock and Commodity Exchange in Romania began trading on the 1st of December 1882, pursuant to a high royal decree issued by King Carol I. The stock exchange, of course, was closed during the dark days of communism in 1948 and only reopened after the Berlin Wall fell and, indeed, the President Ceausescu had been executed. Final piece of major exchange news this week, EuroCCP, not unsurprising, being rebranded in keeping with its new owners. SIBO Clear Europe is the new name. Few interesting results this week, highlighting one of them. B3 announced the results for Q3. In line with Q3 2021 revenue, but at the same time slightly disappointing, recurring EBITDA minus 8.2% year on year and recurring net income down about 10.7% year on year. Of course, they were disappointing numbers from B3, albeit at the same time they were operating against a very difficult economic background given the cliffhanger of an election where President Lula squeaked back into office, defeating the incumbent amidst what is a clearly, hugely divided nation. One new market this week, Egypt have launched a first African market for issuance and trading of carbon credit. Welcome to see. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. 
And in deals this week, we had the Saudi Wealth Fund raising $610 million in a sale on the stock exchange of some of their shares in Tadawal Group. Some 12 million shares were sold at 191 rials each, which was a 9% discount to the previous closing price. The Public Investment Fund will continue to hold 60% of Tadawal post this sale offering. Hellenic Exchange has been in the market buying some of their shares during the course of the last week, and Thomson Reuters are going to acquire the tax automation company SurePrep for $500 million. If you're grappling to try and understand what's going on in this world, particularly against the background of FTX's collapse at all, don't forget my most recent book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World, published by DV Books and available via Ingram Distribution Worldwide. Of course, while you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, there's always the opportunity to check out our live stream Tuesday, 6pm London time, 1pm New York time, and archived forever on Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Go search for IPO-vid. Our most recent show was absolutely phenomenal. We had Alessandro Hatami, who's the co-author of a book, Reinventing Banking and Finance. And his show, Alessandro Hatami, Reinventing Banking, was episode number 84 and is really worth a listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you're interested in the future of the banking business in any way. If you're interested in evolving markets and evolving careers, then check out Brandon Bradley. He's going to be our next guest, a good old friend of mine dating back many decades. I'm very exciting that he, excited that he can join us for series 15, episode number one. And that's going to be IPO live stream number 85. Product news this week. LME, they've made the tricky decision. They're not going to ban Russian metal from their system. Equally, over at Eurex, they are introducing money market futures, a three-month euro STR future. And the first electronic warehouse receipts have been trading at Pmex in Pakistan, while the New York Stock Exchange, thanks to the culmination of various SEC rule changes, has seen its first ETF listing on the big board on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, as opposed to NICE ARCA, as has been the case in recent years. And that's the first listing of an ETF on the big board in 15 years. Technology news this week. Nasdaq have moved their first market to the cloud, the Amazon cloud business AWS, while SEBI have issued a notice to MCX to sort out various issues to do with previous vendors and the disputes over payment. Looks like the exchange is therefore likely to settle the case. In regulation news, uh, a lot of talk in India at the moment. The general perception is that Europe has been overbearing in its derecognition of the six Indian central counterparty clearing houses. A lot of frustration there. And in career paths, well, Asia Next joint venture by Six and SBI Digital Asset Holdings is going to operate a trusted and regulated exchange for institutional investors in Asia and globally. And I think the most interesting element to that announcement may have been the inadvertent outing of John Green and tech genius extraordinaire as the tech Svengali in this project. So that means John is also going to soon be available for a new role with this build complete. Anyway, well done, John, on Asia Next, and all the best to the new platform. Over at Deutsche Börse Group, Melanie Danheimer has been appointed as a new member of the Frankfurt Stock Exchange and Eurex Deutschland Management Boards. So, of course, we had the midterms during the course of this week, and I think the essential outlook after a messy midterm election, ladies and gentlemen, can be summarised as follows. Whichever octogenarian runs for the White House in 2024, he's going to lose. If they both run, we will all lose.
And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, from the epicentre of bit carnage, my name is Patrick L. Young. I encourage you to read our newsletter, Exchange Invest, and keep abreast, if not ahead of the events that are happening in the world of financial markets, the bourse business, and indeed, of course, our crypto cousins. And I wish you a great week in blockchain, life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our program, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.